Good morning, Chess City Church. Glad you're here. Glad you brought your guests. We are in week three of our current teaching series at the movies. For those of you who are wondering what's going on. In this series, we take popular movies, usually those exclusively in the summer. We've been drifting from that this year uh, as we grab some, really some of my favorite movies during the year. And we look at the movie, we glean into it, and we pull out a kind of a topic, a theme, and then we see what the Bible says about that topic or theme and how we can apply it to our lives. Now today, as you know, we are looking at the movie Wonder. I think it would be like right there with The Greatest Showman is my favorite movie of the year. And in this movie, Wonder, uh, August, Augie Pullman, is a 10-year-old boy living in North River Heights in, uh, in Manhattan, Upper Manhattan in New York, what us, uh, you know, New Yorkers, I'm from Brooklyn, we call that the city. Manhattan is the city. And Augie has a rare medical facial deformity. And because of that, he's had 27, as you heard me say, 27 surgeries. Augie has been homeschooled his entire life by his mother, Isabel. Uh, but Augie now is approaching the fifth grade, 10 years old. And his mother and father have decided to put him into Beecher Prep School there in the city. And the school is run by Mr. Tushman, the uh, principal. Now, at first, Augie's ostracized by nearly the entire school. But soon, he becomes friends with one boy, a boy named Jack. And Jack was his welcome buddy on the first day of school. Now, there's also another person who welcomes uh, Augie to the school, and that's the eraser kid, you know, Julian. Julian is a school bully. Surprise, surprise. Now, the majority of the movie is Augie navigating people's responses, their apprehensiveness, their confusion, sometimes meanness towards his appearance, most notably his facial deformity. Now, in some way, one way or another, we are like Augie. Now, there's something, maybe more than one thing, about ourselves that we don't like. We're not comfortable with this feature of ours, this way of our being. Maybe you're a little insecure about how you look, uh, your height, your skill, your talent levels, uh, your speech. You, you, know, you, for me, you know, for me, when I was younger, I, I had a few things I didn't like. The first was my speech. I had speech problems, uh, you know, and I, I, you know, to this day, you know, I have this accent. And, and sometimes if people know I'm from New York, they'll say, oh, but if they don't, they'll say, oh, I'm from, from South Africa, you're from here, you're from there. I still challenge for me to pronounce certain words to this day. And uh, I used to think I was too short. I thought my ears stuck out too much. I'd always make sure that my hair covered the top of my ears. If I wore that style was in at that time, the John, John Travolta thing, remember? Uh, then my hat would, would always go over my ears. So I had all these things. And so like Augie, whatever your thing is, I, show, I shared some of mine, we kind of put the helmet on. You see that astronaut helmet Augie would wear all the time? You know, to, to hide himself or distract the things he was uncomfortable with from the rest of the world. In a sense, we create a persona, if you will, a facade of the person that we really are. And you know, that takes a lot of effort, a lot of hard work to create such a thing. And we do this all this time, all this energy. We so buy into it that it really, in a way, becomes a significant part of who we are. And we do all this for the sake of giving people this idea of who we are. We're trying to get people to see us in a particular way to compensate for those things that we're not comfortable with about ourselves or we just don't like about ourselves. And we, maybe we wonder at some point, why did God make me like this? Or, or maybe we just really haven't 
digested or processed God's hand in, in any of this, you know? Psalm 139 says this, Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18. Great portion of Scripture. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. That's a good thing. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the forest, farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. God created us and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Your workmanship, that's me, that's you, is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life is recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God? That's phenomenal. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Wow. How marvelous. You, God's masterpiece. God thinks so precious of you. When you get up, God is there. When you go down, go down to sleep, God is there. His presence is with you. God knew what he was doing when he made you. He made you as you are for such a time as this, at this time and this place in the history of the world, for one reason and always, that you would glorify God. You hear me say this term a lot when I'm speaking, when I'm preaching, I end something usually saying, to God be the glory. So what is this glorify? Glorifying means feeling and thinking and acting in ways that reflects God's greatness in you, right? So we live out our lives and people look at us and say, okay, in the midst of that, regardless of that, in spite of that, look how this person is thinking, feeling, acting. What could this be but God? And it is the greatness and the mighty and the power and the love of God pouring through you, reflecting out of you that this world sees, and it impacts them. And it's a masterpiece. So before Augie's first day at school, his sister gives him some really good advice, touching and also motivating. Let's watch a short clip. Can you hear me? They stare. Let them stare. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. That's an awesome statement. Did you get that statement? It was quick. You were born to stand out. You were born to stand out. 
You were born to feel and think and act in ways that reflect God's greatness in you. You were born to make a difference in this world. You might feel ordinary, but you are not ordinary. You are an extraordinary creation. You might think people see you or perceive you to be ordinary because of your appearance, because of, your, because of how you think about yourself, because of those things you're not comfortable with about yourself, because of your circumstances. But there's a problem with thinking like this, a big problem. And it's a, it becomes prominent and even dominant in the way you perceive yourself in this world. You see, here's the, the consequence, and it's a serious one, if you live your life with this kind of lens. And that is you're influenced more by the natural than the supernatural. Do you get that? You're influenced more by the natural than the supernatural. That translates to less hope, less miracles, less depending on God. You're looking more now at, at the just logic and reasoning and the day-to-day same old thing rather than waking up each day and saying, what will God do with me today? Rather than being filled with hope, rather than saying, I'm going to trust in God with all my heart, soul, and mind and know that his presence is with me and I'm in his hands. It's a big deal. It's one of the significant um, differences I had, I believe, or let me say it another way. One of the things that uh, helped me so much as I grew from in my late 20s when I came to Christ in my faith, as I moved forward, was that I was from the very beginning kind of inclined to be influenced by the supernatural more than the natural. It's a big deal for me. And I think it, was, it helped me so much as I moved forward in my faith, where, and I really kind of grew rapidly in my faith in what I did in the church. And I think it's because of this reason that I was more inclined, more embracing, more aware, more looking out for the supernatural. I mean, when I would, I'd go out at like 1, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd go out into low-income projects, I'd go into drug dens, I'd go into places of prostitution where they were holding girls at times and runaways. And as I'm driving, I'm thinking, what is God going to do? That is not one bit of exaggeration what I just told you. What is God going to do in me, in the circumstances? How is God going to use this in the weeks and months and years in my life? You meaning there's something supernatural that's going to happen here. As I submit myself to God, as I trust in God, it's going to happen. I believe with all my heart. If I just look at the natural, I wouldn't even be out there at 2 o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't have been doing some of these things. Wouldn't have risked my life. Why look at the natural when you can be influenced by the supernatural. I'm not saying the natural doesn't matter. I'm not saying it doesn't factor in. I'm saying it's secondary to the supernatural. The natural has less influence on you than the supernatural, yes? And you see, you're influenced more. Don't be influenced more by what is seen than what is unseen. We want to be people that really are dwelling in what is unseen. So you see, that's, that's in contrast to this materialistic culture that we are kind of submerged in. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying culture is bad. I mean, look, I got my Tommy shirt on, and you know. But when I, so we're not anti-culture. Clearly, we want to relate to, connect to, and immerse. We, we want to be around the culture. We don't want to acquiesce to the culture. That's different. Tasteless, odorless gas. But what I'm saying is we don't want to let the culture drive what influences us more than anything else. Because then what happens is we're looking now at the outside and not the inside. And it's the outside that's dominating our thinking, not what's going on on the inside. 
And we develop our standards and how we measure things from what we perceive and what impresses us on the outside, not the inside. And you don't want to, ge- you don't want to live your life like that. You don't want to gauge your life and how you're doing in that way either. Because then what happens, what we perceive to be imperfections, deficiencies, issues on the outside make a negative impression on us. It, it dominates our thinking. It, it distorts how we value ourselves and even how, uh, how we see others. And it creeps into church as well. So much, it's one of the things from the very beginning, we put in intentional protective measures here to have that not happen. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I'm saying it's really what we guard against. We want a culture where it's from the inside out, yes? I think Christy and I were talking about it. Uh, well, the first song we ever sang at Chair City Church was from the inside out with kind of this theme and this thinking in mind about how, you know, what, what these imperfections and, and deficiencies or perceived deficiencies, what it amounts to. Let's look at a clip. That is not the way we leave the table. Hey, come on. Talk to me. Sit down. Take that off, please. I'm sorry. It's okay. It'll be okay. Why do I have to be so ugly? You are not ugly, Augie. You just have to say that because you're my mom. Because I'm your mom, it doesn't count? (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most, because I know you the most. You are not ugly, and anyone who cares to know you will see that. They won't even talk to me. It matters that I look different. I try to pretend that it doesn't, but it does. I know. Is it always going to matter? Listen. Look at me. We all have marks on our face. I have this wrinkle here from your first surgery, and I have these wrinkles here from your last surgery. This is the map that shows us where we're going. And this is the map that shows us where you've been. And it's never. What about your gray hair? (laughs) That's compliments of your dad, I think. And as though we summoned him. How was your day? My day is really good right now. Yeah. So you are God's masterpiece. He tells us that in his word. And that matters because God knows you better than anyone else. It matters most because God loves you more than anyone and anything else. You see, 
Augie's mother saw the unseen, what was inside of him, because she knew him and she loved him. She had spent time with him in his presence. The essence of who you are cannot be found in a glance or a quick impression. And yet that's often how we live our lives, to connect to people or how we interpret people. The essence of what's most important in this world is not found by noticing the seen or the visible. It's just not. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying it's secondary and should be the, not as influential as what is unseen, not as dominant in your life. Our essence is hidden away, and it's only truly discoverable when it connects with love, true love, a love that someone will sacrifice themselves for you, to be close to you, to know you, as we say often in this church, right? To, what is love but intimacy? To, to know God, to be known by God, to, to know one another, to, to be in close relationship. Listen, we have marks, we have mistakes, we, have, we feel insecure, we have what we think are these inadequacies, and sometimes it's reality, and sometimes it's not. And so we, put, we, we cover up, we put a, a mask on, right? We, we kind of create this facade, this persona, to, to show people something we think they need to see or want to see so that they'll value us, so they'll, you know, they'll, they'll accept us. And when we do these things, particular things that we can measure that, and see how we're doing with that outer person, that outside, and we can find worth in this world, we want to look together. We want to look together. We, we want to look like we have it together. We, we want to feel important. We don't want people to notice the imperfections or the inconsistencies. And yet, what is really so interesting and so consistent with God's plan in the Scripture, and from what I've seen in life, is those imperfections, those inconsistencies that seem to connect us to other people, right? To where we can find love, true love, and true relationships. We might impress people with our strengths, but we connect through our weaknesses. This is so true. And yet, when we develop a way of thinking and perceiving and a persona that says, okay, we're going to measure relationships or, or be impressed by people and impress them by, uh, you know, hiding our deficiencies, not being vulnerable, right? Not being comfortable with that which is in us, which is we think less or we're not comfortable with. When we do that, we circumvent that process, Right? We, we are less vulnerable. <laughs> we're, we're less approachable. We're more likely to be controlling. We're more likely to hijack this process of one human being knowing another human being and these two human beings now growing into a healthy, good relationship by being aware of one another's weaknesses, right? As God intended it to be. And all of this is a God. is a God that we turn to and say, okay, I acknowledge my weaknesses. I acknowledge my imperfections. And you know what? Aside from that, I am God's masterpiece, and God is going to now pour his power and his might and his miracles and his supernatural through me, and he's going to glorify himself through me, and my feelings and my thoughts and my actions and my behavior and my dream, all that is going to be a display of God's greatness in my life. Circumstances are circumstances. Does that pay the bill? It probably won't. It might not. But how you handle all that, it changes. As we say over and over, 
Nothing changes, but everything changes because God is glorifying himself through you. I do believe that as you change, you seem to have this incredible ability uh, as God's masterpiece to make some significant changes around you. So when Augie started to connect is when he took his mask off, when he took that astronaut helmet off. It was so cool. And then people began to see what was on the inside, what was unseen. So Jack, his friend, who you saw with the lightsabers, he became Augie's friend. He wasn't scared of Augie's flaws. He loved him for who he was. He got to know him. Now Jack, though, you know, Initially, was living, before he met Augie, he was living more for the seen than the unseen. You know, he was living more for the popularity, to have his place in school. Augie kind of disrupted that, right? It was a burst of reality. And then we see this time, it's a sad part of the movie, where Jack kind of reverts back to his old ways, becomes overly concerned with how people are perceiving him, you know? and becomes kind of more connected to his insecurity and is living now more for the outside, for the scene. And he, he does, and he really behaves in a way that's so painful and sad. Unfortunately, he changes that. He fixes that and he comes back now and he's seeing what really is most important is what's on the inside and he, he heals and he restores his relationship with Augie. And he says, wow, this is a more pleasurable way to live, living from what's on the inside. So you can make a choice today. You can decide to keep the mask on. It's probably just become like, it's so much a part of you, the persona. Persona means something to hide behind. It's like, you know, the mask, the masquerade, if you will. It's just become so much you, how you've developed that personality, what you, you want people to see or how you want them to perceive you. Well, today you can turn around and take the risk and trust in God, and remove the mask, and begin to live from the inside out, the greater part of you, the unseen, the divine part of you, where the supernatural is facilitated. You might live more than you realize from this outside perspective. You might feel insecure. You might feel uneasy because you were divorced. You filed for bankruptcy. You never graduated high school. I never graduated high school. You, you know, let alone, you know, college. You, you might not be the most articulate or educated person in the room. As I've said before, I really am. You might look around you and, 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 and look on Facebook and compare your lives to other people's lives and, and think they're living a better life than you. Listen, step away from all of that. That's the seen world. And that is not, should not be your primary influence. And if it is, you're going to have substantial issues and problems, emotionally, mentally, relationally. Certainly you are not tapping into God's presence in your life. But live from the unseen. Live from the inside out. Tap into God's supernatural power in your life. Now there is a way, because you know, you, this seems kind of difficult, but the way to do this, the way to live in focusing on the unseen, and there is one way and only one way, and that is to live out your life by faith in God. Faith is the tool. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence, meaning the assurance of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Think about this. Faith is the tool that helps you understand and perceive the unseen world. 
Without faith, you can't do it. Without faith, it becomes less and less doable, less valuable to you. The ancient people before us, they were good at this. They, they knew how to grasp and, ref and reference the unseen world by faith. And it's hard for us to do that because it's invisible. But only faith will help you understand and perceive the unseen world in yourself, first and foremost. Why does this matter? It's a big deal. By Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that we now see that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. That means the invisible, the unseen created you. What was unseen and is unseen is so powerful, so real, so effective. We know the power and we live in the power of the unseen. The depth of life, and you know this, is in the unseen. What's most important, what's most meaningful to you truly comes from the unseen, from the inside. It's just so hard for us to handle. We are a little, because when we go there, we get a little unsettled. We get a little uncomfortable. But if we would just pause and realize that what is most important, what is to be protected and cherished and nurtured and dwelt in is the divine, the unseen, is what is inside of us and is within the depths of our soul. And this is where faith comes in. Faith helps you truly realize that truth. And the truth that you and I are more inner than we are outer. Do you hear that? It was true for Augie. It's true for me. It's true for you. The best of us is right in here. And it's by faith that we can realize that and by faith that we can live that out. See, here at Cheer City Church, from the very beginning, we desired, and I believe that we are in the process of creating a culture where we live from the inside out, right? All the, the people that are around you have bought into this culture. We're imperfect. We have our issues. <laughs> but we are living out to love God, to care for each other. We are approachable. We are vulnerable. We are relaxed. We are down to earth. But we are pursuing God and seeking God with all our heart, soul, and mind and strength. The Bible says when we seek him, we will find him. And we just keep finding God, right? He's such an awesome God. We see lives changed. We see marriages healed. Relationships restored. People overcome addictions. People come to know Jesus over and over and over again. Three people in just the last, I think it's two weeks, to God be the glory, right? <laughs> Most of all, the, the summary of it all is people who have put aside or in the process of putting aside, dwelling on their imperfections, their voids, their inadequacies, their marks, their this, their that, and just focusing on not that what is seen, but focusing on what is unseen, living out and trusting in the divine. Listen. And this is a lot harder to do if you're going to decide to cover up yourself, if you're going to hide in plain sight, if you're going to keep that mask on. You've got to step out. You've got to get out of that hidden universe that you're living in. You've got to step out and know it's okay. We don't gauge and measure people by how good you think you are. We just don't. If you haven't figured that out by now, you will quickly. 
Soon as you get into the parking lot, from when you walk through the lobby, you, you start to realize there's a lot of do no names, no plaques, no this, no not very few titles, right? The way we dress, the way we treat one another, the way we approach each other, you'll realize that we really are very much in the relationships. And we do all that to be approachable so people can just turn around. And what did C.S. Lewis, I love it, in this context of a conversation, he would say, what, you too? <laughs> you too? You mean you suffer from that? And I've got a whole list. I mean, as I say, there's no one in here that was more imperfect, that had more issues, more problems than me, and I really believe that. And you might, you, might ex you might really do great at one in particular problem, better than me, but as a whole, I think I got gotcha. you. Thank you. <laughs> and that's, that's a man who, who spent three nights with me, so he knows me, right? Listen, God truly loves you. And he knows you for all that you are. And, what, and he knows you better than anybody. And he knows you as his masterpiece. So marvelously made. Know that. And, and let the world see the real you. It's okay. Because as you trust, out God, trust God and live out your faith, they're going to see that. They're going to see God's greatness coming out of you. And, and, and instead of, as I say, glancing at God's greatness and glancing at the divine and the supernatural that's in you and gazing at all your things you don't like about yourself or you're not comfortable with, flip it around and glance at that stuff and gaze at God and all that he is and his divinity and his supernatural powers that are at work in you. And know this, most of all, that he's inside of you and he loves you because God demonstrated his love for you in this and that Jesus gave his life for you and that while you were sinning, he died for you. He came to earth for you. He went to the cross for you, shed his blood for you so that you could be here now and have this moment to be in the right position to know God, to be able to live from the inside out. Jesus did that for you. And so you would love him and you'd have faith in him and you'd know he's with you because he died for you. Today, have faith in Jesus. Today, come out from your hiding. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 says, so that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. This is living by faith. This is displaying God's greatness in your life. This is glorifying God. You weren't created by God to blend in. You were created to stand out, to shine like a star in the universe, yes? Now you're in here thinking, okay, Dave, well, here's, here's, here's my thing. Uh, my, my outside isn't well, but my inside is just as bad, right? <laughs> Meaning, I think there's a, it's a mess in there. And I say, if you have faith in Jesus this morning, if you trust in him, Jesus cleanses the inside, right? By the precious blood of Jesus, you are cleansed on the inside. You are renewed on the inside. You are changed from the inside out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, Jesus, has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That means Jesus, God doesn't just make you different, but he makes you new. New hopes, new dreams, a new view, a new you. A new you that's driven by the supernatural truth that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross, was risen, and he's done all this for you. That's you. If you're in here today, when you came in, Christy, you were handed a connection card. Christy talked about it. She referred to it in the beginning. On one side, it says, my next step. My next step. Perhaps today is the day you're going to take that step. 
to trust in Jesus, to decide to follow him, to know more of him, to consider him in all that you do, to actually gaze at him and, and, and know that he loves you, to have confidence in what you read about him and what he's called you and commanded you to do. Today's the day where you are turning to Jesus. You're turning away from living a life that is focused and immersed in the outside. And today now you pause and you live from the inside out to love Jesus. You turn from sins. You ask forgiveness for your sinful way to God. Say, God, forgive me for living out that way apart from you where I missed what you had for me, missed your target. But today I turn to you humbly, gladly from the inside out. I call out to you. I need you. I love you. And I want to follow Jesus. If that's you today, you want to take that card you want to check off the box that says, I'm starting a new relationship with Jesus. I'm renewing. I've come back to God. I'm renewing my relationship with Jesus. Man, the fireworks have begun. This is awesome. As we play that last song, you want to just dwell in the love of God. You want to just take in the moment and know that this is so real and this is so supernatural and this is so powerful. This is your new reality, yes? So let's look at the last clip of the movie. this morning is the Henry Ward Beecher Medal to honor students who have been notable or exemplary usually it's a good works a service award but I came upon a passage that he wrote which made me realize that good works come in many forms greatness he wrote lies not in being strong, but in the right using of strength. He or she is the greatest whose strength carries up the most hearts by the attraction of his own. Without further ado, this year, I am very proud to award the Henry Ward Beecher Medal to the student whose quiet strength has carried up the most hearts. So, will August Pullman please come up here to receive this award? that stage, I felt like I was floating. My heart was beating so fast. I didn't really understand why I was getting a medal. It's not like I blew up the Death Star. All I did was get through fifth grade, just like everyone else here. Congratulations. There you go. That's for you. Then again, maybe that's kind of the point. Maybe the truth is, I'm really not so ordinary. 
Maybe if we knew what other people were thinking, we'd know that no one's ordinary. And we all deserve a standing ovation, at least once in our lives. My friends do. My teachers do. My sister does for always being there for me. My dad does for always making us laugh. And my mom does the most for never giving up on anything, especially me. It's like that last preset Mr. Brown gave us. Be kind, for everyone is fighting hard battle. And if you really want to see what people are, all you have to do is look. Well, you were not made to be ordinary. You were meant to uplift and carry many people's hearts. Yeah, you, every single one of you, this is biblical truth. As you glorify God, as his greatness comes through the way you think and feel and act in this world, as you enjoy him and all of that, you will do that. You will do exactly that. You were meant to stand out. You were meant to shine like a star in the universe. And as your pastor, as your pastor, as your friend, as your husband, as your son-in-law, as your father, I just want to give each one of you, you don't clap, I clap, I want to give you an ovation, a standing ovation, each and every one of you. How you come in here, how you serve, how you give, how you love one another, how you invite your guests, I just want to give you a standing ovation for how wonderfully and marvelously God has made you and the way you're living out your life. And I want you to stand up, each and every one of you, as we end our time here today. Every single one of you, I'd like you to stand with me. I want you to know each other. I want you to look around at one another. I want you to just for a second, just glance and look at each other and know there is something wonderful in each one of you because you are wonderfully and marvelously made by God. And I want you to see each other and yourself in this world through that lens of faith in Jesus from the inside out. And right now as you look at each other and smile, I want you to give one another a standing ovation. Just... Awesome, awesome. God is good. God is great. Look at the inside. Know God is with you, and to God be the glory. Amen.